Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, founder of Canada's podcast. Today we're going to meet Peyton Nyquist. Peyton is the CEO and founder of Numinous Wellness, a leading integrated mental health care company providing psychedelic-assisted therapies. Numinous Wellness is a leading integrated mental health care company with 13 wellness clinics across North America, four clinical research sites, and a bioanalytical research lab. Numinous recently announced the launch of its new Numinous Network Wellness Clinic licensing platform. So Peyton, welcome to Canada's podcast. Great to, great to meet you. Uh, nice to see you're in Toronto and uh, spending some time here. Um, and as I usually do, uh, why don't you tell everyone about yourself, what you do, you know, why I'm interviewing you, how you got here, uh, that, that kind of stuff, because uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a great place to start. Sure, sounds good. Um, yeah, so Peyton, I'm Peyton Nyquist, and uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Numinous Wellness, which is a uh, integrated mental health care company, um, which at its core is helping support not just research, but access to psychedelic therapy, which over the last number of years has, has seen a huge amount of um, interest. People call it the psychedelic renaissance, um, which is really being validated by a lot of um, clinical studies that have been done over really kind of uh, spearheaded by MAPS uh, over the last 36 years has been taking MDMA through clinical trials. They've recently completed their phase 3B, um, which for uh, people who don't know MDMA for post-traumatic stress disorder and, and those studies were for people with treatment-resistant PTSD, and the results were over 80% of participants saw significant clinical reduction in their symptoms, uh, and 67% actually no longer met the PTSD criteria after uh, just three treatments. So really, you know, a, a paradigm-changing uh, result in regards to how we think about treating mental health care. Um, for myself, I have a, a capital markets background, um, I was with Canaccord in Canada um, for about six years, left Canaccord uh, and was part of a group that bought a control position in a smaller independent brokerage firm called Jordan Capital. Uh, and then after a couple of years, we sold Jordan to Mackey Research. And uh, I was uh, the head of their West Coast offices and a director of the Cross Canada firm. I sat on the advisory committee for the TSX. Um, but my pathway into the psychedelic space really came from my own personal experience. Um, I'm someone who had suffered with severe chronic pain since birth and um, uh, grew up in a household uh, that suffered with substance abuse. And my mom got sober when I was 12 and, and came home and said, you know, you, you might want to start talking to somebody. And I, and I took that pretty seriously uh, because of my chronic pain issues. And that kind of led me on this kind of really uh, deep excavation and exploration of mental health, physical health. Um, and that really stuck with me throughout my whole life. And what was interesting as I got older, um, the severity of my symptoms seemed to be directly correlated with my professional success. In fact, uh, 
the most successful week of my whole life. I spent that whole life in the hospital. And, and I remember thinking if this is what, you know, success is supposed to be, then, then, uh, I'll, I'll do something else. But, um, but after, you know, really trying everything and, and towards the end of that journey, I was ending up in the hospital about three days a week, um, was really out of options. And I'd never had a psychedelic experience before because I grew up in a household that struggled with substance abuse. I was always sort of the anti-recreational drug uh, person, but um, because I, I felt very out of options, turned to psychedelic therapy as really a, a last ditch um, to try and save my life. And not to paint the picture of a, a panacea, but, but one week with psychedelic therapy and I never had any chronic pain symptoms ever again. And, um, that led me to in the beginning, really just trying to figure out how I could give back to something that saved my life. I never planned on quitting my job and starting a company and doing everything that we've done. But, um, as I, as I looked more and more at the research and ways that I could, you know, potentially support, uh, there was a, just a really glaring recognition that, um, you know, while the clinical research that was being done was extremely important, there was a real lack of access to psychedelic therapy. And, and you know, that still kind of exists today. Um, since 2017, there's been $2.9 billion that have gone into kind of psychedelic related uh, industry activity, um, but less than 5% of that money has gone into infrastructure and, you know, we're now at a place where access is really opening up and, and the need for infrastructure is even uh, more apparent now than ever before. So that's, uh, that's kind of a little bit of, of myself and, and where we are today. Okay. I mean, you, you know, you, you grew up in, in the investment side of the, of the business and we were talking earlier about, you know, it wasn't somewhere where you thought you would be coming back to. I think, you know, you saw an opportunity at, at Numinous because of your, your own crossover on, uh, you know, with health problems mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and things, things like that. Um, why go the capital route? I mean, it's because it's an interesting, you know, it's many entrepreneurs are, you know, if they're successful or if they need more investment, it's it's thrown up at them. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's, uh, I mean, I hear varied stories about it being the right way, the wrong way. I've done both ways um, in terms of, you know, private or, or public. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your perspective on it for, you know, people that might be in the same boat as you kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think you know, maybe regardless of industry, I think for people who are looking at whether they want to take their company public or, or stay private, um, running a public company is, is a whole business in itself. And, um, you know, I spent more time when I was on the investment side, I probably spent more time convincing people not to take their company public than to, than to take their company public. Um, you know, it can it can seem like a, a attractive or lucrative. There's a there's a romanticism to you know being a public company and you know ringing the bell and all those kinds of things. But um, but it's it's an expensive endeavor um, and it takes a lot of focus and, and energy and um, 
And not only that, but, you know, there's, there's also this kind of misconception that, you know, the public markets is where, you know, maybe some interesting or nefarious activity can happen or what have you. Um, but I think, you know, the public markets also present the opportunity to actually, you actually legally have to give full disclosure. And so, you know, for us, a, a couple of the reasons why we went public, one, um, the psychedelic industry grew and evolved far faster than I anticipated that it was going to. And the access to capital at much higher valuations was, was, was extremely great. Um, you know, we ended up raising just over $80 million, um, have had a market cap as high as a couple hundred million dollars Canadian as well. Um, at a time where that industry was extremely nascent. Um, and so it just presented an opportunity to, to raise that kind of capital um, and then be able to go and, and build, um, you know, again, at, at a time where, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of far and away the closest to a, a profitable psychedelic company, but, but it's still early days. Um, and we still need to, there's a, there's a significant amount of building that still needs to happen, but yeah, for, for entrepreneurs who are debating, you know whether to take their company public or or to stay private. My 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 big 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 recommendation is to fully understand not just the the costs of being a public company, but you know the time commitment that it really really takes to be successful um, as a public company. And um, you know entrepreneurs uh, are always exposed to the the highs and the lows of, of uh, running an entrepreneurial business. I would say that's kind of 10x when you're at the, at the whims of, of the capital markets and the public markets as well. So it takes a certain amount of intestinal fortitude, I would say, to, uh, to steer a company through, through the public markets as well. What do you like most about being an entrepreneur versus being an investment guy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, I, I what we're doing, I, I'm extremely passionate about, uh, and and obviously from my own personal connection to it, um, that that for me is extremely important. You know, when I was on the investment side, um, it was interesting. You know, you, you're providing capital and ultimately the resources for companies to grow and, and operate their business, but you didn't really have much, you know, and I tried to, to position myself so that I could have some kind of influence or supporting the company more than just investment, but it's kind of this passive, um, it's, it's a passive sort of, uh, commitment to an organization and, um, and, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and again, in particular, in something that I'm extremely passionate about, um, there's, there's no shortage of motivation to get out of bed every morning and, and, uh, and go to work. So I think that, that for me is, is, is exciting. And I think, you know, we're at this kind of interesting, I think, especially coming out of COVID, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, they, they want to do something that is meaningful. They want to do something that maybe has some purpose attached to it. And they, you know, want to be able to build a, a life for themselves as well. And I, and I don't think that those need to be kind of mutually exclusive. I think there's this, this kind of old paradigm of, 
you know, if you're going to be financially successful, then you can't do something that does good in the world as well. And, and I, I think that's, I don't think that's correct. And so um, that's something that I get very excited about. And I think we're in a time of entrepreneurship that, that really um, supports both. So what's the greatest challenge you've faced in, in the business to date? You know, yeah. I mean, there's always lots of challenges, but what's, what's, what's the, the biggest one you've had to kind of jump over, if you like? Yeah, you know, the, the mental health care system is a, is a huge system. And unfortunately, when we think about mental health care, um, it doesn't matter what you're looking at, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidality, substance abuse, these are all rates that are going up. And, um, you know, we believe that not just psychedelic therapy, but, but new forms of mental health care can greatly shift that paradigm. But it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking and it can feel, you know, it can feel like, and I think I was sharing just before we got on last quarter, we, we served about 20,000 people, which you know, feels incredible. And it's, and it's still just a drop in the bucket at the moment. And so it can, I think the challenge can be, there's so much to do and there's so many places to focus on. Um, but, you know, you have also being very conscious of resources, really getting very focused and um, on what it is that you want to contribute to and staying focused on that before you start chasing, you know, too many shiny balls. And I think this is probably something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is you have this grand vision and idea and how you execute that in the most efficient way possible as you're building your business um, can take, takes a lot of focus. And especially, you know, we've experienced this a lot in the psychedelic space where there's been moments of huge investment and excitement and, um, volition to the marketplace, you can get caught up in, in, you know, all of that momentum and, and sometimes maybe lose sight of what it is that your business is really contributing to doing. And so I think, um, that's, that's probably one of the, maybe not challenging, but, but definitely something that takes the most amount of focus and energy is, is to keep the company really on track. I was going to say, you know, with those challenges, how do you? I mean, how do you typically handle them? Focus is obviously part of it. Um, any other things that we that, that we sort of should pass on? Listening to your team. I mean, yeah, your people are, are your people are always your most important asset in an organization, and you know, making sure that you're coming together with the team um, that you've created to, you know, to take that collective wisdom on on how to move forward and and make sure that you're engaging your team in that too um you know entrepreneurship can be a little bit of a lonely path at times and um and so remembering to lean on um your team if you have advisors um you know who are your sort of key stakeholders and and really you know getting a good consensus bouncing off people um and never underestimate frankly how much I think at times, you know, especially when things are challenging, can feel like there's not a lot of support out there. But in my experience, um, more often than not, there's no shortage of people who are willing to to give some some time or advice, uh, even for free. And you know, I encourage people to 
to continue to really pick up the phone and, and reach yeah, out to people. Yeah, the advice thing is interesting. I mean, I think we've all got, had mentors, got mentors, whatever. Um, I have a couple of things that, I, that, that stay with me all the time. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received that, you know, you kind of keep in your back pocket and, and it, you know, it's there when you need it kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I wish I could just. I, uh, you know, I, I would say. For me, you know, I have the I have the opportunity to really understand what our client needs because I've been there before. And uh, I had a mentor to me remind me of that one time um, when, when there was a lot of, of hype and excitement and, and it felt like there was a lot of shiny ball chasing. And he said, you know, don't forget what you would have needed when you were in that position. And, um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs have, have some personal connection to the thing that they're, they're creating. And, uh, and for me, you know, when I'm in those moments of, of trying to make difficult decisions, I, I really try and put to put my shoes on of the person who, you know, ultimately we're trying to serve. And, um, and every time that's, that's kind of been a, a very good guiding stone for me. Now you, you came into this market, if you like, with a passion because of your, because of your own, you know, pers personal health issues and things like that. But if you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing instead? Um, I, I don't think it's going back into the capital markets, but what, what would what would you be doing instead? You know, that's it's a very good question. Um, you know, I, I I naively got into. Uh, the capital market space because I thought that that was going to be my way to help people. Um, I wasn't going to be, I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor uh, um, or, or any of those kinds of things. And so, you know, when I was 18, I said, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll help people with their finances. And uh, I very quickly realized that uh, helping people make more money definitely doesn't uh, definitely doesn't make them happier. And so, you know, I think I've always been very passionate about, um, yeah, ways ways that I could be in service to people, and um, I would say that you know the thing I probably have the most experience in is is healthcare, and in particular mental health care. So probably probably something in that space. Oh, range. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I liked your progression. I thought it was getting into this mm. based on your background it was good. Mm. Simple question: You a morning or a night person? I'm definitely a morning person. I mean, I grew up on the on the West Coast and in the in the public <laughs> markets on the West Coast. If you're not a morning person, you're in trouble. Um, but uh, but I'm de yeah, definitely definitely a morning person. Yeah. Uh, what what book are you currently reading, listening to? What, what I don't really care. But the, the, what kind of knowledge are you currently kind of into, or have read recently that you think? someone should pick up and read kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I usually have a, at least two or three books on the, on the go at any given time. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a knowledge di digester. Um, 
but uh, there's there's a book, there's a couple of books I make a point to pick up at least you know every couple of years. And um, for me, The Alchemist is is always on that. I I try and read The Alchemist at least once a year. If anybody hasn't read that book, um, it's it's really really good. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's keeping you up at night? <laughs> uh, well, I have a I have a two and a half year old daughter and a, and uh, another one another one on the way. So that oh, fantastic. <laughs> that, that keeps that keeps me up most nights. But uh, you know, I think the, the thing that probably keeps me up at night, honestly, the most from an entrepreneurial perspective, is um, you know, it's 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 a double edged sword being very passionate about something. Um, that you've also made your profession. And, um, you know, while that can really help with drive and motivation, it's also hard. I find it's hard at times to kind of turn it off. And, um, because I have so much passion and, and personal interest in this space. So, um, I find myself at times, uh, you know, there's, there's, the hamster can be running on the wheel for, for, for quite a while. Um, but uh, but again, grateful for it. So, what advice would you give somebody, you know, moving into a new business, following a passion, whatever that that, that, that might be useful for them? You know, yeah. not, I mean, obviously that could be a long list, but but you know, one or two things that that, that you think are really yeah. you have to cover, kind of thing. It, yeah. Um, you know, first one, and this will be cliche, but um, find people that, you know, share the same passion that you do that you want to work alongside with and, um, and, you know, lean on those people. Um, those are the people that are there for you when times are tough and equally when times are good, keep you grounded and, uh, and on track as well. I, I, I can't understate the importance of a good team enough. Um, you know, and the, and the other, the other thing I would say is, you know, for people who are starting a new business and in particular, if you're in, you know, maybe a new industry or a nascent industry, um, don't forget to trust your gut on, on things as well. I, I think we can get caught up in, um, you know, getting the opinions of a lot of people and, and, you know, kind of, maybe contradictory to what I said before, but, um, you know, get, get advice and input and, and listen and receive all of that. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're there for a reason. And, and, um, and so, you know, as, as you're moving through and making decisions, you know, trust your gut and trust your intuition and, and lean into it. Don't, you know, don't take a kind of passive approach to trusting your intuition. Um, if you're going to trust your intuition to make a decision, really stand into it. And, um, you know, that kind of um, authenticity and, and um, passion and vulnerability is, is you know, what, what makes your team passionate and, uh, and really, really lean in. And um, so those are, those are definitely two, two big things that I think of, of anybody who's, who's looking to get on the entrepreneurial path. So if you had to pick one word to describe Peyton Nyquist, what would it be? And why would you choose that word? 
I would say uh, passionate. And, uh, and, I, and again, I would say there's a double-edged sword to that too. Um, but um, I would say, you know, we've, we've as, an, as numinous as an organization, we've, we've experienced great moments of success, great moments of challenge, um, but we've never lost sight or lost passion for what we're doing. And that passion um, for myself is, is really, um, as I said, it, it's, it supports when times are good and it supports when times are challenging as well. And, um, and I think we need, I think we need a lot more of that in the, in the entrepreneurial and, and business world as well. It's great. Peyton, uh, we're coming to the end of our session here. Um, mm -hmm. How can people get a hold of you if they, if they listen to this, you know, happens all the time. People want to get a hold of, they want to get a hold of me. They always want to get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about it. How can yeah. how can we get a hold of you? No. Yeah, you uh, you can go to our website numinous.com um or our on social media channels and and myself personally it's it's my first and last name on uh, on all the major social media channels. Okay. Thanks for coming on Canada's podcast. It's been great meeting you and um yeah, I'm I'm going to watch watch where you're going with the company. I think that's really really good. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on.